It is Wednesday, January 13th, 2010. I'm Bill, and this is Where Icarus Flies. Well, thanks for joining me today. The podcast last week generated a lot of debate, and not how I thought it would. Uh, I talked a bit about the No Child Left Behind Act of 2001, and I have some comments to make on that. But the real debate seemed to turn up with, you know, an offhanded comment I made about hamburgers. You know, I was saying that, uh, you know, in 2009, I gave up McDonald's and most fast food. uh, But that I had gone to McDonald's and I had enjoyed my quarter pounder with cheese. And it led me to talking about In-N-Out Burger. And I said that I thought In-N-Out was overrated. I don't think it lives up to the hype. Now, what's amazing to me is this happens to every In-N-Out fanatic. When you say that, they get so defensive and they're like, wow, you hate In-N-Out. I've had this conversation happen to me at least, at least seven or eight times with various folks. You hate In-N-Out. No, I didn't say I hate In-N-Out. I actually think they have a decent burger. And there's good things I like about it, and there's things that I think that they should improve. My point is, it's not nearly as good as everyone thinks it is. So, without raging in on that debate, I was going to, uh, this week, have a segment about hamburgers. You know, not uh, homemade hamburgers, but hamburgers from fast food versus full-service restaurants. Uh, but I decided to hold that off to next week or the week after because I'm going to try to resample as many hamburgers as I can. Now, in the last two days, I have had uh, four hamburgers. I've had the Quarter Pounder with cheese at McDonald's, the Angus Burger. Uh, yesterday, I had the Western Bacon Burger from Corals, and I had a Whopper. Uh, today, my goal was to have In-N-Out and Wendy's. But you know what? I feel like crap. Uh, You know, four burgers in two days and four of those burgers in two days. That is so not what your body uh, expects in life. So I actually need to take a break and slow this down. Um, So I will resample in and out. I will hit Wendy's. I'm not going to bother with Jack in the Box because I don't care for their food or their burgers. I think uh, it's not very good. It doesn't make my list at all. I will, uh, so where else am I going to endeavor to head to? You know, I'll probably have a, a Chili's uh, burger, the, uh, the Big Mouth burgers over there. There's a Fuddruckers not too far from here. Uh, you know, memory serves me that Fuddruckers was a great burger. But, you know, it's been a little while, so I'm going to try to find that. 
If you have some suggestions for me, you know, send me an email, feedback at whereicarusflies.com, and we'll see, you know, what I can make it to. Now, some of it I'm not going to be able to retry, right? I'm going to have to live off my memory of eating at Whataburger, for example, because I don't have any out here on the West Coast within my reach. So, that's the plan. Maybe not for next week. Maybe I'll kick that to two weeks out because, like I said, eating that many burgers. Okay, first of all, I'd like to not have to move up a size in my pants. Uh, and then, really, I just I feel disgusting after just eating those four burgers the last two days. So we'll see where that brings us. Um, what else is going on here? Well, we've had earthquakes, right? We had some minor earthquakes here in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area where I'm at. We had a much larger earthquake, a 6.5-ish, up in Northern California, uh, up in the Eureka area. And then, of course, we just had that devastating earthquake, uh, you know, between 7 and 7.2, whatever it was, in Haiti uh, that has just caused you know, unbelievable damage and suffering. And, you know, my heart goes out to all the folks that are affected by these earthquakes. Uh, You know, some would look around and say, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, I'm not worried though. I'm not worried because it's it's just 2010. Like, Mayans give us a couple more years. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, some crazy things going on. We had this, you know, wicked cold weather. Uh, through most of the country, and I was reading about uh, lizards falling out of the trees in Florida because it was so dang cold. I mean, what the heck is going on here? Uh, You know what I call it? Life. (laughs) So I don't see any, uh, you know, nefariousness in, you know, the events that have taken place. Things happen. Uh, And it's, it's too bad awful things can happen like that earthquake in Haiti. So, those are a few of the things going on here. Let me tell you about what's on tap for this week. So, what do we have coming at you this week? I want to get into talking about this just disaster that NBC has created in Late Night with Leno and Conan. I also want to talk about Hollywood and the new fad that seems to be coming about for doing reboots and what's going on there and what are some of the things we're going to see. I want to talk about bank cards. Uh, There's a lot you probably don't know about using your Visa and MasterCard. I want to talk about some of the fees there, how does a company like Visa exist, and some of the things that you probably want to know before you use your debit cards. Joey Hoover's back in the house. We'll have Joey a little bit later to do the Hoover Report. And then it will be the return of Masterworks Theater. And that'll wrap things up. So that's what we have on tap on Where Icarus Flies this week. I assume that if you're listening to this podcast that you're savvy about what's going on in the world and in entertainment and such. So I'm assuming that you aren't living under a rock and that you have heard about this debacle that has happened in late night with NBC and Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. 
this is just sad. This is this is just an awful predicament, and people are pointing fingers, and folks are getting unhappy. And I think uh, in the last few days, there's a lot of folks that have, I, in my opinion, been unfair to Jay Leno. Um, I mean, let's back up a little bit here, and let's recall something. Jay Leno never wanted to give up The Tonight Show. Jay Leno was forced out of The Tonight Show. I don't care whether you are a fan of Leno or if you think the guy is awful, okay? He never wanted to leave. And as far as late night rating goes, he was the king for years. Jay Leno's Tonight Show was getting high fives, sometimes in the low sixes, for ratings. All right, he... I believe he consistently pulled in numbers in the 5.8, 5.9. Letterman usually gets somewhere in the 4.6 area. I don't know what Conan was was doing, uh, you know, on the Late Show. I'm not interested in looking that up. So NBC tries an experiment, and I think that... You know, their experiment had merit, right? They can save boatloads of money, and let's face it, they need to save boatloads of money if they put Leno in uh, primetime at a 10 o'clock show because it costs oodles less to produce, you know, a show like The Leno Show than it does for even a bad drama. What they didn't foresee was the effect on their affiliates across the country, right? And the lead-in to the 11 o'clock newscasts. So they move Leno to 10 p.m. And although he, you know, had great stellar ratings for the first few shows, it leveled out, and he was he was getting somewhere in the 5.4 range, so a little a little lower than um, what he was doing on the Tonight Show. You know, but for the late night talk show, he was doing well. Conan, on the other hand, ratings for The Tonight Show plummeted, and Conan was pulling in somewhere in the mid-twos to 2.8 ratings. Now, I happen to like Conan. Um, I don't think moving him to The Tonight Show was the right thing to do. I don't think moving Jay out of The Tonight Show was the right thing to do, either. You know, so... uh, Conan's Conan's uh, ratings were not very impressive. Now, I think you need. I think he's right. If you read his statement, I want to read his statement in full because I think it's that good. In a few minutes, but if you read his statement from the other day, you know I, I agree with him that you know he needed to be given time to build his audience. Right? I mean, the audience that flocked to Jay Leno is not the same audience that will flock to Conan O'Brien. So he needed time. So they they forced Jay out uh, because they promised Conan the Tonight Show. I mean, that was the carrot they swung in front of Conan to keep him at NBC for years. So five, six years ago, they came up with this deal. Right? This didn't just happen in the last couple of years. This is this was a, a deal made long, long ago. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, right? So now what happens? So Leno's unhappy. He's getting booted. The reality of the situation is this. 
If NBC allows Leno to go to another network, he will kill NBC in ratings. From a financial standpoint, they can't let that happen. If they have to choose between Leno and Conan, NBC has to choose Leno. I don't care whether you hate Leno and whether you are fully on Team Conan. The numbers don't lie. Okay? Leno will beat the pants off of Conan. And that's, that's just the facts. Now, Conan, over time, you know, may dominate. And I do think that he needs that time. Um, you know, I, I look back at, you know, Seinfeld, the, the big battle early on for Seinfeld was Seinfeld versus Home Improvement. And you may not remember this, but Home Improvement, Tim Allen's show considerably, considerably beat the pants off of Seinfeld. Home Improvement kicked Seinfeld's butt until it went off the air. Now, Seinfeld, different, quirky, you know, went on to become one of the most treasured television comedies of all time. And I think that it's deservedly so. Um, you know, I enjoyed Home Improvement. I thought it was a funny show. But it nowhere near, right, what Seinfeld became. Seinfeld needed that time. And I think Conan needs that time, too. I think he has the potential to become stellar. I like Leno. I, I am a fan of Leno. Um, but I don't... Th I think he's maxed out his star power. I think he's really good at what he does. But I don't think that he has the potential to transcend into the next level of we'll remember that guy forever. I think Conan has that potential. It just needs to be brought out of him. So now where are they? Right now they're battling. I mean, what do they do? Do they push Leno to 1130? Give him a half hour? Push everybody else out? Do they let Conan go to another network? I mean, what the heck happens here? I mean, this is craziness. Now, Conan released a statement in the last couple of days. And I want to read this statement in its entirety because I think this is just phenomenal what he says here. So Conan says, People of Earth, in the last few days I've been getting a lot of sympathy calls and I want to start by making it clear that no one should waste a second feeling sorry for me. For 17 years I've been getting paid to do what I love most and in a world with real problems I've been absurdly lucky. That said, I've been suddenly put into a very public predicament and my bosses are demanding an immediate decision. Six years ago, I signed a contract with NBC to take over The Tonight Show in June of 2009. Like a lot of us, I grew up watching Johnny Carson every night and the chance to one day sit in a chair has meant everything to me. I worked long and hard to get that opportunity, passed up far more lucrative offers, and since 2004, I have spent literally hundreds of hours thinking of ways to extend the franchise long into the future. It was my mistaken belief that like my predecessor, I would have the benefit of some time and just as important, some degree of rating support from the primetime schedule. Building a lasting audience at 1130 is impossible without both. 
But sadly, we were never given that chance. After only seven months, with My Tonight Show in its infancy, NBC has decided to react to their terrible difficulties in prime time by making a change in their long-established late-night schedule. Last Thursday, NBC executives told me they intended to move The Tonight Show to 12.05 to accommodate The Jay Leno Show at 11.35. For 60 years, The Tonight Show has aired immediately following the late local news. I sincerely believe that delaying The Tonight Show into the next day to accommodate another comedy program will seriously damage what I consider to be the greatest franchise in the history of broadcasting. The Tonight Show at 12.05 simply isn't The Tonight Show. Also, if I accept this move, I will be knocking The Late Night Show, which I inherited from David Letterman and passed on to Jimmy Fallon, out of its long-held time slot. That would hurt the other NBC franchise that I love, and it would be unfair to Jimmy. So it has come to this. I cannot express in words how much I enjoy hosting this program, and what an enormous personal disappointment it is for me to consider losing it. My staff and I have worked unbelievably hard, and we are very proud of our contribution to the legacy of The Tonight Show. But I cannot participate in what I honestly believe is its destruction. Some people will make the argument that with DVRs and the internet, a time slot doesn't matter. But with The Tonight Show, I believe nothing could matter more. There has been speculation about my going to another network, but to set the record straight, I currently have no other offer and honestly have no idea what happens next. My hope is that NBC and I can resolve this quickly so that my staff, crew and I can do a show we can be proud of for a company that values our work. Have a great day, and for the record, I am truly sorry about my hair. It's always been that way. Yours, Conan. I happen to think that that's one of the greatest statements I've read all time. It's quite wonderful. And I don't know if you've seen, you know, Conan or Jay or some of the other shows in the last few nights. I mean, Conan, who started very tentatively not wanting to rock the boat in the last couple of nights, has just ripped NBC, and deservedly so, right? Um you got to go on to Hulu.com or someplace so you can watch, you know, some of the clips from the shows. Jimmy Kimmel, jumping right into the fray, spent last night uh, dressed up as Jay Leno. Because uh, he, you know, certainly perceives Leno to be the bad guy and the evil person in this. So I thought he was pretty funny, though. And he was saying that, uh, you know, Jay Leno's taking over every spot in late night. Uh, Letterman has made some comments. He's jumped into the fray, as is, you know, Craig Ferguson. I'm not going to read Craig Ferguson's statement from the other day, but, you know, he went in the middle of his jokes, in his monologue. He went on a serious um, talk for a couple of minutes, and it was just very well said, Craig Ferguson. I mean, they might all be competing against one another uh, for ratings and such, but you know, as as Craig says, as they when they at the end of the day when they go back to the late night clubhouse where they all live together, you know, they're they're all buddies. <laughs> so what happens next? 
you know, I don't, I don't know. What I think should happen. Now, what I think will probably happen, like I said a few minutes ago, is that Conan gets, you know, bumped. Because Leno will, you know, kill him in the short term in ratings. You know, with that being said, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not bad. Let Leno go someplace else, right? And just see what happens. I mean, uh, that happened when Johnny left. Johnny Carson left The Tonight Show, right? Dave moved over to CBS, and for a time, Dave killed it. Dave's ratings were, you know, through the roof compared to The Tonight Show. And I don't remember how long it took, whether it was weeks, months, or a year or so, before Leno finally overtook Dave. But for a while, Dave reigned supreme. And I think that's probably what would happen if they let Leno leave NBC. He might kill for a while, but as I said a few minutes ago, I think that Conan, you give him the time and he will transform himself. You know, I I think he's still a bit um, doing his late show earlier, right? He needs to... Stay true to himself, right? Don't give up everything you used to do, but I think he does need to find what what should I do for The Tonight Show. I think if that doesn't happen, right, what else should happen? Well, I think uh, I think Conan should bolt, right? Let Give Leno The Tonight Show back. And I think that Conan would be silly to go to another network like a Fox. I think Conan should go to cable. And he should have his own show on, you know, HBO or Showtime. Someplace where his true creativity can flourish without the restrictions of a network. And I think if we put Conan in that situation, I mean, you'll see multiple Emmys and, you know, something that he could really, really grow into to have, you know, some Conan O'Brien variety show on a cable network because being on you know the traditional broadcast network these days is becoming less and less important so if I was Conan I would seriously think about uh, jumping over to cable where his creative juices can really really shine what about Jimmy Fallon and Carson Daly in all of this mix well No one really cares what happens to them from the network, I don't think. I mean, they keep saying they want to keep Jimmy. um, But I don't think it really matters, right? I mean, they don't really factor into this. Of course, if Conan leaves NBC, Jimmy Fallon and Carson Daly immediately benefit, right? They both likely get bumped up in their time slots. Uh, Carson Daly, uh, David Letterman joked the other night, he said, I've never even seen a picture of Carson Daly, right, to illustrate how irrelevant he was in all of this. So good things happen for them if Conan leaves. So I think the biggest winners in all of this is if Conan moves to cable. Conan moves to cable. Leno gets his Tonight Show back. He's happy. Jimmy and Carson move up. And Conan gets to go to a place where he can really... You know, transform himself into a megastar and not just you know a goofy late night guy 
So that's my two cents. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Do you have comments about the NBC debacle? Send them on in to feedback at com. What is up with Hollywood now getting on the reboot bandwagon? Yes, we just had J.J. Abrams reboot the Star Trek series. And it was phenomenal, if you haven't seen it. Well, Star Trek is a franchise that had 10 previous movies. And let's face it, it was getting old. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And there's, you know, only uh, less than a handful of the 10 or 11 now that I think were worth watching for the general public. I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan, great. You watch them all, right? So it was a series, a franchise that needed a reboot and a rebirth. Uh, Batman, right? I don't remember offhand how many of the Batman movies had been out there. But that was old, tired, and in shambles, right? I mean, what was the last Batman before the Christian Bale uh, movies kicked in? Was that the one with George Clooney? That was disaster. He was awful in that. Everybody was awful in that. Uh, and it could have been a decent movie. It was it was absolutely awful. That needed it, right? A reinvention. The Superman movies, although the uh, Superman Returns, I, I thought was good. Uh, you know, I think that series was in need of a reboot, right? Spider-Man? That's the big one now, right? Spider-Man's going to get a reboot? It's only had three movies. And all three did very well. Whether you like the third one or not, it did very well. Just because the director of the first three isn't coming back, or Tobey Maguire, you know, the actor that played Peter Parker, isn't coming back, who cares? Recast. Move on. Don't send us back to the beginning. You know, uh, they're talking about Peter Parker in high school. I I don't need a series reboot for Spider-Man, to be quite honest. It hasn't been around long enough. It was just starting to get good, in my opinion. I don't don't care to see Dr. Octopus again. I don't care to see, you know, the transformation of the Green Goblin and the Hobgoblin again. I thought they did a good job with that. Let's move on into other things. Uh, I heard that I was reading that um, the X-Men might get a reboot. I mean, come on. Give us a break. I'm tired of it. Tired. I'm getting tired of the reboots, right? Unless it's necessary. Are we going to start rebooting uh, things like Lethal Weapon now? I mean, look at James Bond. Love or hate James Bond. How many James Bond films are there? I think at last count... Uh, there were just under 7.3 billion James Bond films. And guess what? They didn't need the reboot. Oh, wait. They did, didn't they? The last couple was a bit of a reboot, weren't they? Man. Not every, you know, nothing sacred anymore. 
So I'd love to hear what you have to uh, say about reboots. Go ahead and post comments to the blog at wherecursflies.com. Send me some tweets. You can follow me at uh, whereif on Twitter. Or just send some email to feedback at wherecursflies.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say about Hollywood and the new fad of reboots. I tell you what, though, what might be interesting, and this is not going to happen anytime soon within the lifetime of George Lucas, but I'd love to see a Star Wars reboot, a reinvention of Star Wars, possibly. That might be interesting. Hmm. Something to think about. What do you think? Let's take a look at this scenario. You walk into your favorite store, You purchase whatever it is you were there for. Your coffee, your groceries, something at Best Buy, or wherever it is that you like to shop. You hand them your debit card. Not talking about cash, not talking about credit cards. The card that takes money directly out of your bank account. And you're asked the all-important question, debit or credit, what do you do? Who cares, you say? The hell do I care? It's all the same to me. All right, maybe sometimes I choose debit and I type in my number. Maybe sometimes I choose credit because I just want to sign. Or in some places, if I choose credit, If the dollar amount is low enough, I don't even have to do anything. If I go to Starbucks and say credit, bam, I don't have to do anything, right? Well, what does it really mean? It means a huge deal. When you use your debit card and you sign your name, okay, the credit card side of life, Banks get an enormous amount more in fees than if you choose to type in your PIN code and choose debit. Where did this all come from and why does it matter to you? Well, so when you sign your name on that debit card, right, as a credit card transaction, That store pays your bank an average of 75 cents for every $100 that you spend. That is well over twice as much that that store has to pay the bank when you type in your PIN code. So by the way, this this Visa and MasterCard that you have you know, what is it? You know, Visa. It's everywhere you want to be. That's what the commercial says. And I'm not here to knock Visa or MasterCard too much, but, you know, Visa, they are not a credit card company. MasterCard is not a credit card company. Visa and MasterCard do not issue credit cards. Do not issue 
debit cards. Banks issue debit and credit cards with the Visa or MasterCard logo. So what the heck are Visa and MasterCard? They're networks. They are the networks that process your transactions. I mean, banks don't own networks that span the globe. Somebody has to be able to maintain that network and process it. That's what Visa and MasterCard do. Sure, there are many other arms of those companies, right? There's Visa Financial Services and MasterCard Services, and there's all cause I all cover <laughs> all kinds. Of, I'm getting so excited. I'm getting tongue-tied here. There are all kinds of other. Uh, you know, revenue-making opportunities for those companies. But it, when it comes down to it, your credit card and your debit card, they don't own those cards. Your banks do. So if I'm a bank, the heck do I care? All right, I have access to that network. Well, I, I'm, I'm getting paid to issue Visa or MasterCards. That's what happens. So way back in the early 80s, when these banking cards really started to take off, there were a lot of smaller regional networks, right? You may remember, you know, like the Star Network or Pulse or, you know, NYCE. And, uh, MasterCard, you know, developed its own pin processing network called Maestro. And all of these regional networks and this larger MasterCard network charged, you know, maybe 10 cents or so in that area, right? What, what do I mean? Not to you, the consumer. It would charge stores, merchants, you know, 10 cents for every transaction and they would pay that to the banks. So the banks, remember, are issuing the credit cards and the debit cards. So when it comes to credit, pure credit cards, you know, that issuing bank is taking on, you know, the potential loss right there, right? So there's a little gamble for those banks. Well, Visa comes in, and Visa, very popular credit card. They want to get into the whole PIN network as well. Um, you know, not lots of merchants had the, the point-of-sale machines, right, with the, pin, with the number pad, the PIN pad, so I could type in my PIN code. So something that was much more handy was signature debit cards. So I'm not talking about credit cards. I'm talking about your debit cards. So signature debit was much more useful, right? Merchants didn't have to purchase pin codes or pin pads, right? Those point of sale machines. So Visa starts charging, you know, somewhere in the dollar thirty-five range. And it, what was it doing with that? It wasn't taking that profit. It was giving it all to the banks that issued the cards. Why? 
so it would entice banks to issue more Visa cards, right? That's why you have so many banks issuing cards. They're getting paid for that. So this is uh, crazy in the annals of competition, for in business competition, whereas you, you mostly see business compete for lower prices. Well, this forced MasterCard and others to charge more to merchants, not to the consumers, but to merchants. So prices were rising. So they were actually competing for higher prices. This is craziness. Now, of course, all that extra cost eventually does get passed on to us, the consumers, right? But it was directly being billed to the banks. And that's, that's called an interchange fee. I mean, there's a couple of different fees here. There's a transaction processing fee, and Visa and MasterCard are getting somewhere in the order of five to six cents every transaction. And last year, Visa processed 40 billion transactions. Okay, so that is over $2.5 billion in just those transaction fees. That's all going to, to Visa for using the network. And no one's really arguing over those fees. These interchange fees, right? These fees that, we're, that the credit card companies are charging the merchant for the use of their cards, right? That they give all or mostly to the banks so they will jump on the bandwagon and issue more Visa and MasterCards. You know, for credit cards, no one's arguing that too much, right? Because for credit cards, there's a risk to the bank, right? I, I'm charging it and I'm letting, you know, I'm basically taking out a loan from that bank. So the bank could lose that money. I mean, no one's going to cry for the banks, right? But the bank is taking on risk. so. Charging that extra fee to offset a lot of the losses caused by that risk, no one's really crying about too much. But for debit cards, there's no risk. That money comes directly out of the consumer's bank, or I should say bank account. So that money is there. So that's where the problem with these fees come in and why, you know, the poor little guys like Walmart and Sears and Best Buy and Target have lawsuits against these big mean card companies for a lot of these fees, right? We're gonna really cry about Walmart. I don't think so. But at the end of the day, it does get passed on to us. And unfortunately, we're in a no-win situation here. Because let's say we get rid of these fees or substantially decrease these fees. Those are profits that banks are now not making. Those interchange fees have gone up from, in 2002, to being a around $20 billion part of the industry to... $45 billion as of last year, and it's just growing. So for banks to lose out those billions of dollars, they're going to get 
passed on to us with new fees. Now Visa would counter, and I don't totally disagree with them, that, okay, but don't forget your business model here. You want more people to buy things from you and you want to make it easier for them to buy things from you. So using our cards and our network increases revenue. And there's a lot of data there to back them up. For example, you may have noticed McDonald's in the last year or two has gone to accepting you know, debit cards right there. Well, McDonald's revenue because of that is up somewhere 20-27%. So that justifies the extra fees that they're paying. There are other stores with similar stories that traditionally have not used credit and debit cards but have started in the in recent past and has seen revenue increase. What's the right thing to do? I don't know. Right? But we're bailing out banks, but then banks are getting richer off of us. In the last reporting period for Visa and MasterCard, which was in November, now they won't report earnings again until February, the way their quarters work. Just on transaction fees alone, Visa in the last quarter reported made $9.6 billion in their Q4. In the same time period, MasterCard made $5.8 billion just off transaction fees in three months. What do we do with this information? I'm not quite sure yet. And there's a lot of areas that I've oversimplified, but I wanted you to understand the basics of what was going on when you answered the question, do you want that to be debit or credit? If you would like to save your merchant money, choose debit. Type in your PIN code and it will save considerably your merchant. On the other hand, it'll cost your bank more, or I should say they'll get decreased revenue. If you want your bank to have the higher revenue, use credit. My biggest fear is that the banking industry is so locked into these fees as we morph how we use money. And the projection is that by 2012, 29, almost 30% of all purchases will be made with debit cards which will be the majority of purchases made. Right now, cash is still king, but it's very, very close to going into second place. Banks will be so hooked on these fees that we'll be stuck forever. Well, it is that time again to introduce my buddy. Hey, Joey! Joey, come on in, bud! Hey, what up? Hey, let me pull up here and get my stuff on. Hey, come on up here. Hey, Bill, how you doing, I'm man? All right, it's man. been like a week. I haven't seen you at all this week. Yeah, I know. We've just been, uh, you know, doing different things here. So, let me get you to it. Without further ado, here is 
Joey Hoover. Hey, thanks, Bill. I uh, appreciate another week to do the Hoover Report. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All right, first on my list this week, have you ever been to CNN.com? Sure, I've been there. Yeah, CNN. You know, CNN.com. Yes, I know CNN.com. Just want to make sure. I don't know <laughs> your uh, web surfing habits, what you know and what you don't know. What the heck is wrong with you? Okay, go ahead. All right, anyway, uh, if you've been there... You know, in the last few weeks, they have these new advertisements that they got going on there. And you go to the site, and at the top of the page, they got that Adobe Flash there. And it's an ad that grows oh. and takes up, like, I don't know, a fourth of the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see those. it comes up, you know, and it just really screws with your viewing of the page. Oh, totally. And then you close it, and it turns into this little box. It's a pain in the rear end. Uh, you know, is that going to be the new pop-up ad of the future? Huh, maybe, You know, yeah. those new flash ads like they're running on CNN.com? Those things, yeah. You got it. They suck. <laughs> Yo, totally, man. Okay. You know, if unless you have lived under a rock, and even under the rock, I am sure you know the Goslings of oh. a John oh, yeah, and yeah. Kate plus eight, of right? Of course. Yeah, I used to uh, watch that show, and, you know, back in the beginning, it was really actually pretty cute. You know, I'll, I'll admit it. I, we watched it, and it was, it was nice. It was fun. Bill. It was friendly. It Bill. was What? What? Stop. Whose segment is this? This is not the segment on the lame shows that you used to watch, right? Well, right. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. Anyway, uh, OK Magazine is reporting that Kate Gosselin is getting a new show on a TLC. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. That's out of control. Seriously. Well... You know, she's grown out of her hair. She's got a new do and a new life. Really? And, you know, she wants that. to do different things and show that she can do different jobs. And, uh, you know, what's it going to be? You know, like, uh, you know, Michael Rowe always ha already has a show like that, right? You know, the, uh, the Dirty Job Show? I, I don't think that she's going to be doing a show like that. Hey, you never know, right? Uh, she's desperate. So, you know, Kate Gosselin and just trying to... Uh, String out your 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 so-called fame. You suck. All right, I don't want to dwell here uh, for various reasons, but you know the Patriots playoff oh, game uh, last, yeah, you know this past Sunday. Yeah, what about it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That sucks. <laughs> you, you got that right, brother. All right. On to a serious uh, subject, and that is it is time for the next uh, decentennial uh, census. We do that here in the United States every 10 years. Huh. Uh, decentennial. Ha! Take well, that there, brainiac. <laughs> anyway. Right. Well played. Uh, something to be vigilant about out there is that 
folks will use things like this earthquake in Haiti and the, you know the census here as a way to steal your personal information. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they will. don't give out you know personal social security numbers, things like that. Take precautions. You know, don't do it over the phone. Just because someone says they're with the Census Bureau, you know, don't don't worry about it. You know, don't give them that kind of information. So people who try to use the census and things like the earthquake tragedy in Haiti to bilk people of their identities and money. You suck. <laughs> yes. May I have your permission to interject a comment into your oh, segment? Well, of course you may. Uh, it would be my pleasure. What is it that you would like uh, to interject? Well, thank you. Um, back in 1990, I worked for the Census Bureau. Really? And I was an NRFU enumerator. That's that? for non-response follow-up enumerator someone will you know that would count you so that was the first year we did a, a you know mail in census and folks that didn't respond to the return census in the mail you know folks the NRFU enumerators would go out and verify and try to count them all so it was a really interesting job but it was amazing thinking back how much information people just you know gave to me either in person or over the phone really? just I said I was with the census bureau so you're right people really need to you know, be vigilant and don't give out financial information and, and whatnot. Well, thank you, and I'm just trying to do my part here. Well, good you know? for you. So I, I got a couple more, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, go ahead. All right, thank you. Uh, did you see that they're trying to turn uh, the A-Team, that 80s uh, series, into a movie? What? Did you see this? No, I have haven't. Have you seen uh, the trailer for this? No, I have not. What What's going on with that? you got to be kidding me. I know, seriously. Well, you know, it, it has uh, good people in it. Really? If you were to look at... Who's the, in that? You know, the cast. It's got the Bradley Cooper uh -huh. from The Hangover. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Liam Neeson uh -huh. as, uh, you know, uh, Hannibal. Oh, I like him. And there's some other folks in there. And, you know, Dirk Benedict, the original face man. Uh, will probably make a cameo. Huh. Uh, and that guy, oh, the that plays him is the guy from uh, District uh, 9. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the yeah I don't guy. remember his name, but he was good. I, liked, yeah, I really liked no, him. See, yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, so the 18 movie, come on. What are you trying to do? Are we that desperate on uh, new ideas in Hollywood? I mean... The A-Team was 80s cheesy television at its finest. <laughs> yes, yes, Love it that was. show. But a movie? <laughs> Come on. That sucks. <laughs> Can't believe they're doing that. All right, finally, this is unbelievable to me. I, I was floored, uh, uh, you know, when I read this uh, coming in here. This is unbelievable. So that earthquake in Haiti, right? Big news, oh, awful, yeah, devastation. Yeah. Oh. Um, awful. Our hearts awful. go out to that nation. Of course. But uh, Pat Robertson, you know, the 700 Club guy. Oh, there, yeah. You know him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, listen to this here that he just said. And I would not have believed it uh, unless I didn't watch the video clip myself. But he said... Okay, what did he say? Uh, and I quote, 
Something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and people might not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French, and they got together, and they swore a pact to the devil. What? They said, we will serve you if you will get us free from the French. What? True story. So the devil said, okay, it's a deal. And ever since, they have been cursed by one thing or another. You've got to be uh, kidding then, me. You know, they reference the Dominican Republic, which is the other half of that island. Uh, very prosperous, according to him. I really don't know. But because of Haiti's pact with the devil. Can you believe that someone says this? Un I mean, what? Believable. What is going on here? He has been outlandish in the past. Yeah. But come on. Pat Robertson and anyone, anyone who even uh, thinks this guy knows what he's talking about, you suck. Oh, man. That's a double suck. <laughs> double suck. Come on. Uh, seriously, I can't. I can't believe that. And and you saw the video. Oh I mean, yeah, this yeah. Isn't just garbage printed, right? No, no. You can look it up. That's uh, crazy. So unbelievable. Anyway, that has been the Hoover Report for this week. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Joey. All right. Thank you, Bill. I gotta be uh, on my way. Got things to do. I will see you later on. All right. All we right. Got a, a big game tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Bruins play the Sharks. Oh yeah. Our two teams. Who we rooting for? I'm not gonna say. <laughs> All right. Hey. See you, man. All right. Bye, Joey. <laughs> Another wonderful Hoover Report. And that takes us towards the end and a new installment of Masterworks Theater. Last Thursday, 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 NBC executives told me they intended to move The Tonight Show to 12.05 to accommodate The Jay Leno Show at 11.35 for 60 Years. The years. Tonight Show has aired immediately following the late local news. I sincerely believe that delaying The Tonight Show into the next day to accommodate another comedy program will seriously damage what I consider to be the greatest franchise in the history of broadcasting. Greatest franchise. The Tonight Show at 12.05 simply isn't the Tonight Show. The Tomorrow Show. Also, if I accept this move, Bend over. I will be knocking the Late Night Show, which I inherited from David Letterman That's and great. passed on to Jimmy Fallon out of its long-held time slot. That's not right. That would hurt the other NBC franchise that I love. And it would be unfair to Jimmy. Unfair. So, it has come to this. I cannot express in words how much I enjoy hosting this program it's and awesome. what an enormous personal disappointment it is for me to consider losing it. Hold on. My staff and I have worked unbelievably hard. We're tired. And we are very proud of our contribution to the legacy of The Tonight Show. Legacy. But I cannot participate in what I honestly believe is its destruction. destruction. Some people will make the argument that with DVRs and the internet, a time slot doesn't matter. Damn you, Devo. But with The Tonight Show, 
I believe that nothing could matter more. Nothing matters more. There has been speculation about my going to another network. I have a dream. But to set the record straight, I currently have no other offer. And honestly, have no idea what happens next. Nothing cooking. My hope is that NBC and I can resolve this quickly so that my staff, crew, and I can do a show we can be proud of for a company that values our work. A company that cares. Well, that was a dramatic reading of... Part of Conan O'Brien's statement that he made on Tuesday, January 12th. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me this week. It was a lot of fun. Don't forget that coming up in another couple of weeks at the end of the month, we'll have the mailbag. So if you have questions for us, you'd like us to read one of your letters on the air, send an email to feedback at whereichrisflies.com and Joey and I will take a look at it. We have a little buildup from last time. But we always appreciate more. If you have anything to say, again, send us in some email there. You can check out the blog at workerisflies.com. You can follow me at whereif on Twitter. You can also find the Hoover Report and Joey Hoover. So take a look at us out there on the web. So for my pal Joey, this is Bill saying thank you for joining us where Icarus flies. WhereIcarusFlies.com provides this podcast for your personal enjoyment, information, education, and communication. This podcast is copyright 2010 by WhereIcarusFlies.com. You may not distribute, modify, transmit, reuse, repost, or use the content of this podcast for commercial purposes without the expressed written permission of WhereIcarusFlies.com. Requests for permission to republish or to copy and distribute can be obtained by sending an email to media at WhereIcarusFlies.com. Thank you, and have a great day.